this might be a hot take. We did watch Willy Wonka in Chocolate Factory recently. We watched it a few months ago on Discord. I think that Timothy Chalamet's performance, for me, I like it better than Gene Wilder's. And I know it's going to be crazy to say, but I've seen them both recently. I've seen them both this year, and I really enjoyed Chalamet's interpretation of the character. Paul King's Wonka is magical, whimsical, and led by the marvelous Timothy Chalamet in a prequel to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Guess what? Wonka Origins was actually awesome. <laughs> I can't believe they pulled it off, to be honest. I was shocked. I, w I walked into it with modest expectations. They weren't really marketing it being a musical. It was so charming. It was delightful. It was a lot of fun. It was exciting. It was creative. It was very fresh. And overall, it, when I walked out of the theater, and even while I was watching it, I was like, this is a movie that's just, like, it's just about kindness. It's about positivity, and it's about joy and love. And I feel like we, we don't really get movies like that that often. Done well. Done well. And it's just really refreshing to get that and to, you know, escape from, like, I love super intense movies. I love scary movies. And I love messed up movies. But it would, a lot of movies are like that nowadays. And I think it's just really nice to escape and do something that's just completely light and airy and just really sweet. And for me, it hit like that, like, it, I had a sweet tooth for it, and I was just, like, blown away by how delightful the entire film was. It's a movie that makes you smile from ear to ear, start to finish, and also got me a few tears out of my eyes. I cried, yeah. At the end of the movie. It's it's sensational, and I, you know, we kind of make fun of the prequels and the reboots and the legacy sequels and the remakes and the origin stories on this show a lot because we're inundated with them in Hollywood. However... I was blown away. Honestly, I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> You're because like, they, they did it. They pulled I didn't, it off. I didn't love the first trailer. I thought it was mediocre. And like you said, they didn't showcase much of the singing and dancing and musical numbers because those are the most exciting parts of this movie. When you watch the trailer, it's sort of just when Willie arrives to this unnamed European city and it's very bland kind of looking. We didn't get any of the fantastical set pieces that are in a couple here and there. But in that first trailer, we didn't get the fantastical set pieces that we see in the movie. And I'm always skeptical of a of a prequel of a famous character that's been done multiple times. Obviously, we have Gene Wilder in 1971 with Willy Wonka and the, Cho and the so, Chocolate yeah. Factory. And then Johnny Depp as Willy Wonka and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in 2005. And then the third iteration of the character, and what's interesting is no one's done sequels before, so I, I can actually see this being a sequel. And everyone's like, oh, great, another remake, another prequel to a character we know and love. And I got to say... Timothy Chalamet delivered, and he's sensational. He created Willy Wonka as his own, a different kind of humor compared to Johnny's and Gene's interpretation of the character, as well as Paul King's great humor as a director. I mean, having done the Paddington movies and this, he's sensational. He's hilarious. But I think what Timothy Chalamet did, it proved his star power because obviously he's a leading Dune. Obviously, he's an Oscar-nominated actor. He's been in some really terrific projects, Call Me By Your Name, working with incredible directors. But I think something like this was really important for him to deliver on a performance like Willy Wonka, completely out of the norm of what he's been doing, doing a musical as the biggest star in the world right now, and nailing it. And it's so fun, and it's a hit right now. Uh, it's It premiered and got released in Europe before North America. North America is having its release this past weekend. It's opening up to projected about 40 to $50 million. We'll Damn. find out this week, but we're recording this on, what day is it? Friday. We just saw it yesterday. But it already hit $43 million in Europe, which is pretty incredible on a budget of $125. So 
So it'll hopefully pass about $150 million, $200 million after its first week and a half in theaters, which is sensational to see. IMDb is a 7.4. Ron Tomatoes, 84% critic score, 88% audience score. Written by Paul King and Simon Farnaby, based on the novel Charlie and the Chocolate Factory by Rule Dahl. Now, Wonka, I wrote this synopsis myself. I'm pretty proud of it. Well, let's hear it. A young, naive, and penniless Willy Wonka arrives in a European city with his lifelong goal to share chocolates with the world. Willy finds himself in immediate trouble when the local chocolatiers and their chocolate cartel use their corrupt powers to try and take him down. Willie also gets duped by a local laundry owner into a 10-year contract of indentured servitude in the basement of the establishment. With the help of the others trapped in the laundromat's contract, Willie concocts a plan to free them of their contracts, take down the chocolate cartel, and share his chocolates with the world. And the cast is fantastic. We get, obviously, Timothy Chalamet, who I agree, floored me. He was so charming, so funny. Singing, singing was great, too. He has the lungs for it, and he he pulled out the songs really well. But he had this... There was a sweetness to his Willie that, that you didn't really see too much in the other ones. Obviously, you see that for sure. But with the other two Willie Wonka performances, there's kind of like... There is like an apathy for like the suffering of others or like the endangerment of children. Jeans watch someone yeah. drown. <laughs> there's like that apathy towards that. Cynicism. Yeah, and yeah, there's a bit of like that to that character, which makes it such a really interesting performance. Like a menace to society kind of guy. Yeah. However, Timothy went the opposite route where he is impossibly kind. And he says the he says a line where he's always relied on the kindness of strangers. And so he's just open to people and very expressive, and he's just oozes positivity and goodness and morality. And I really like this interpretation of just a, an impossibly, endlessly decent human being as Willy Wonka, and it worked really well. And then we have Tom Davis as Bleacher, who's a great henchman character. Olivia Coleman with the fake teeth was great as Mrs. Sh uh, Scrubbit. <laughs> Mrs. Scrubbit. Them two were terrific. Yeah, they were fantastic. So they run the laundromat, Scrubbit and Bleacher. Yeah. And Olivia Coleman and Tom Davis look like they're having the most fun they've ever had in a role. Yeah, they crushed it. And then Kala, Kala Lane as Noodle. I'd never seen her anything before, and she was really fantastic. Patterson Joseph as the main antagonist, Slugworth, was really great. He stole every he was scene amazing. he was in. He's one of the best performances yeah. in this movie. It's, he killed it. I wasn't expecting to have that great of a villain because I didn't like the villain posters, the character posters. I didn't like the posters in general. Yeah, but the villain characters, they had the the, the deep shadows behind them Yeah, in the underlit. They were underlit to make them look menacing. And I was like, oh, this looks so cheesy. But For uh, a kid's perspective, it probably worked really well. Yeah, for sure. But Patterson Joseph as Slugworth was really dynamic. And fantastic, and like you said, he stole every scene he was in. His, and his accent was really funny. Matt Lucas was proud nose. He's hilarious. Keegan Michael Key was laugh out loud funny in this. He was amazing. Chief of police. He's, He's so hysterical. Great. And then uh, Jim Carter as Abacus Crunch, and then Rocky Th uh, Takar as Lottie Bell, rounding out the cast. Everybody was really fantastic. Ooh, you're missing someone huge. Hugh Grant as the Oompa Loompa was wonderful. You're missing someone else huge. Rowan Atkinson oh, yeah. as oh my the God, corrupt yeah. cleric. <laughs> when he showed up, we were dying. I was like, Rowan Atkinson! We were dying. I didn't even know he was in it. But I will say, I think that they made a big mistake. Obviously, the movie's going to be successful, but... So I, a lot of people, after I... I gave it a four and a half star rating on Letterboxd. That's what I gave it, too. That's, I loved it. I loved it. And I we were talking about it for weeks leading up to it, especially uh, a couple months ago when they dropped the first trailer. And 
I found the marketing to just be very strange now in retrospect because when I saw the trailers, I was like, is that all the movie is? I thought it was going to – because I love Paul King. And I was like – I was expecting more. And I kept saying, especially with the first trailer drop, we both were like, that's it. Like we were expecting a lot more from this – more I was like, where's the flair? Where's the color? Yeah, where's the exactly. magic? The, where, where's Willy Wonka's magic? And then we talked about recently about how the studios have been hiding the musical the musical numbers from their movies that are musicals and their trailers. So they haven't been showing any of the songs and dancing for Mean Girls, Wonka, or The Color Purple. And, and I know the movie's going to do well, but there's a lot of people will, who have been DMing us ever since we saw the film being like, oh, is it really that good? Like a lot of people are had the same sentiment as us. They're surprised that it's good. Yeah, because it, the marketing in the trailers didn't do a good job of showcasing what the movie was. And in retrospect, the most incredible parts of the movie, my favorite parts of the movie, the most visually stunning and creative and wonderful parts of the film are musical numbers. And if I had seen those in the trailer, I would have been ecstatic to see this film. I would have been like dying to see it. We only saw it because we we're like, you know, what? let's give it a chance. We love Paul King. He made Paddington 2, the greatest film of all time. <laughs> so, so we're like, like, he knows what he's doing, and also Chalamet wouldn't. He has a, Chalamet's doing such a great job of, with his career choices. He only makes good choices. So I was like, let's give it a shot. And so I was actually, my expectations were pretty low for it because of the marketing. But then when you watch this film, you're like, there's so much amazing imagery in the movie that we never even saw. But what if also? I'm just thinking about this now. What if they didn't want to? Spoil their whole hand. What if they wanted to hide some of that magic and and depend on word of mouth for marketing? They did some cool things with their marketing where they had Xbox One. They had a Willy Wonka chocolate edition and as well as they sent a bunch of people chocolate edible controllers and like a chocolate <laughs> Xbox controller. Did you see the 3D billboard they made in New York City? Oh, no. So there was – it's uh, you know like that holographic 3D billboard technology they have now? Yeah. So it was uh, Chalamet's Wonka. And it break it like breaks open like a chocolate package, and he bursts out of it, and then he tips his hat to the crowd, and it looks like he's really like leaning forward into Times Square. That's really incredible. It's a, check it out online. It's an amazing little billboard they made. Yeah. So the marketing campaign, it's sort of one of those things. Did they do a good job? Did they not do a good job? It seems like it might pay off because it did so well overseas in its early release a week ago, and then you, the North America is going to have a very solid showing as well. So I predict I predict it's going to hit two hundred million dollars in the first two weeks, which is excellent for a budget of 125 this is also a heyday production david hayman he has been making excellent producer decisions since leaving harry potter obviously he's been making some cool movies once upon a time in hollywood yeah hell yeah so i I, when i saw his his uh production company come up at the opening oh no way it's a heyday production that's why i think the magic works so well plus paul king's such a terrific director he's the most untalked about producer in hollywood he might be he's amazing because he's just so successful and he i like how he hits Arts first. His, po- yeah. his movies come first versus him yeah. in a lot of ways. But, I mean, I guess when you're just strictly a producer and not a director, really Kevin Feige's one of the really— Brian Glazer's most- a well-known producer. Not for, the, I think, our generation. Not for our generation, you know but I mean? in the 80s and 90s, he was super famous. When you think of right now, people think, oh, just a producer. They yeah. kind of can only come up with Kevin Feige as just a producer, only not a director or actor or anything else yeah. as well. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I have some fun letter- letterbox reviews of Wonka if you want. Oh, I'd love to check these out. Just a few. So Baron gave it four stars and wrote, Timothy Chocolat. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Also, what's the letterbox rating on this? Right now, it's actually pretty low with a 3.7, I believe. Let me double check. 3.7 is good. No, actually, that's not low at all. Yeah, that's good. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty good. It is 3.5. It is low, I think. 3.5. Yeah, that's a 7. I yeah. gave it 4.5. I, I fucking loved it. Things. I loved it. And then we have another great review is from Rim, R-I-M. Great film, but where was the song about wonking your willy? <laughs> <God>. <laughs> then we have Katie, gave it four stars. Hugh Grant's accent implies Oompa Loompa Land is actually just England. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because they live on this island. He's, he's got an English accent. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> and I have one last one from Julia. Four stars. Okay, you guys, convince me I'll start reading the terms and conditions before agreeing to anything. <laughs> Parentheses, no, I won't. <laughs> the fine print is a big part of the plot in this movie. Now, development for Wonka began all the way back in 2016 Damn. with Warner Brothers Pictures requ- acquiring the rights to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for making a film and the character Willy Wonka created by Rule Dahl. With the film development from producers David Heyman and Michael Siegel in February 2018, it was announced that Paul King was in negotiations to direct, and that's the year that... Pennington 2 came out? Yeah, I believe it was 2018, yeah. And then that same year, it was reported the studio's shortlist of actors to star as Willy Wonka were Donald Glover, Ryan Gosling, and Ezra Miller. And then it was revealed that the film would also be serve, serve as a prequel to the events of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And so if that movie takes place around like the 1960s, the era that the movie, the, the world set in this yeah. one, you could 1920s, 30s, 40s, somewhere around there. In January 2021, it was confirmed by Paul King that he would direct the film, now titled Wonka. It was also reported that Timothy Chalamet and Tom Holland were the front runners for the title row. And in May 2021, Timothy Chalamet was cast and also was announced the film would include several musical numbers. And he was essentially, Paul King said, was his only choice for playing Willy Wonka, especially after watching his high school performances as his rap <laughs> yeah, alter ego. Was yeah. it, uh, what's his rapper alter ego? It's something Timmy or something Tim. Which proved his vocal and dancing skills. So I, I think Tom Holland would have done very good, but after watching the film, Chalamet, I think, was a really kind of like the only choice for Hollywood actors of that age to really pull it off perfectly because he did. And I think I think little Timmy Tim, little Timmy Tim, little Timmy Tim, because Tom Tom Holland would have been great, but Timothy Chalamet was really perfect, really fantastic. Yeah, and there's so much about this movie that I really loved and enjoyed that. 
makes it different from the other Willy Wonka movies. I think having an unnamed European city was very strong for the story because we weren't focused too much on where we are. This is just a magical world that's sort of been invented, and it allowed everybody to kind of do their own natural accents. So we have American accents. It was very Wes Anderson. Yeah, so American accents, we have British accents, as well as Keegan-Michael Key does a hysterical, like, city Bronx accent, (laughs) like, out of nowhere. It's just so goddamn fun. So I think that was one of my favorite parts where it's just an unnamed European city and everyone got to have fun and don't not take it too seriously when it comes to why don't they all sound exactly the same? That's a great point because Wes Anderson, when he makes his films, he just he actually prefers for actors to just use their own natural accents in his movies. And so everybody speaks with their own normal accent. And they did the same thing with this film and it worked. And the unnamed city, it made it, it felt like it was Europe. But it also felt like it could have been America in a certain time, but like a different city in America that maybe we don't know. Because um, it felt like that, it, The first of all, the set design was amazing. They definitely built a, that huge city set and because the, they filmed so much there. They yeah. probably built that entire thing because so much of the film takes place in that outdoor area. It was very reminiscent of, you know that mall in Milan? Yeah. The famous shopping yeah. mall. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah, well, that's why I would say it's yeah. not American at all. Yeah. The, the architecture is too old for it to be American in, in that style. So it's definitely an unnamed European city. And I know a lot of people online that the last several months have been like saying that like, Jeremy Allen White would have been perfect as Wonka. He because, just looks like Gene Wilder. Yeah, he just looks <laughs> like Gene Wilder. I, I don't think that that's a reason for wanting to cast him. Because you're not casting an adaptation of Gene Wilder's life. Yeah. <laughs> you're casting a Wonka adaptation. It's so, a reinvention of the character. Yeah. That's what it is. So I don't think that... I, I think that would have been the wrong direction to try and cast someone who looked like Wilder and really just going with who's the best overall actor for this role, and Chalamet was perfect. And Chalamet, he's a terrific singer and dancer, and what, what I love about his his singing is he's not the greatest singer alive. He's, he's not just, showy. He's just yeah. very good. He's very solid and really enjoyable to listen to, and composer Joby Talbot did a terrific job composing new music as well as Harkening back to the original with some of the old songs, some of the old themes. It was really special. It opens up with one of the old themes. And Willy Wonka, I like how he's less of a menace to society because this is a reinterpretation, reinvention of the character, similar to how Netflix bought the entire work of Rule Doll. They own the rights, basically, to his work. Wow. So, But it's his his books. Oh, hence like the recent adaptations by Wes Anderson on Netflix? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh But also they own the rights to all of his fiction in all of his writing okay. so they actually did an entire base they've been rewriting all of his books and they had pub with uh penguin publishing aka puffins for kids they released all new versions of rule doll's books it's called puffins for the yeah. kids books <laughs> yeah. that's really cute <laughs> the kids i didn't div- know that the, the kids division that's <laughs> adorable puffins. oh my god and there's a lot of controversy about that because they essentially rewrote a lot of the books when you say rewrite are they changing it at all changing the wording really because they want to take things that they find offensive or don't age well or haven't aged well from when rule doll originally wrote the works uh-huh. so a lot of the books are actually written quite differently and so but that's the way i interpret the books are being rewritten which is a a debatable thing i mean but you can say you can disagree with it or agree with it at the end of the day netflix owns it so they can essentially do whatever the hell they want and they just want to capitalize on an ip and never not stop making money off it so but i look at timmy's willy wonka and this movie wonka as a reinvention of the character not a a, a prequel to exactly Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka, unless you see he falls on hard times emotionally, and that's why he becomes so cynical by the time he has his factory and he's acquired his wealth. But I see it as just a new version of the character, like we got new versions of the books in 2022. I completely agree. I don't think this has anything to do in relation to the other adaptations, because Tim Burton's was very much its own thing, too. 
It was a completely new take on it, although it did have some of those same qualities as Wilder's. But I look at this as, I don't see this, it looks like they're setting up a franchise, the way it ends. And they did a good job. And so I expect them to make maybe a, a three movies out of this new franchise. I don't see it any in any way trying, like they'll try to connect it to the Wilder film. No. I think it'll just, they'll make it wholly its own thing. And it's better for that. You don't want that. You want something new. You want something fresh. And Paul King was a great voice for this for this uh, IP because the Paddington movies are just so cute. They're so sweet. They're so endearing. And they're just a lot of fun. And I, I, I was getting you to watch Paddington 2 for months. I loved it. For months. And then you <laughs> finally put it on and you were like, oh my God, that was amazing. Maybe the hardest I've laughed in the last year was the sequence when he's washing the windows. The opening, yeah, yeah. Going up and down in the bucket. <laughs> yeah. I was dying. That it's movie's so hysterical. Cute. They're so well made too. And it's so cool to see what Paul King does with an even bigger budget and a bigger star yeah. with Timothy Chalamet. And, you know, Paddington's a big star, man. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't sleep on Paddington. Everyone loves him. But also just taking a beloved IP and a beloved character, Willy Wonka, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Everyone's going to be analyzing the hell out of this movie, and they are because, you know, it's so loved. So everyone wants to make sure that it's done right. And obviously, this movie's going to have people that dislike it because they want the Gene Wilder version of the character. But I think the world can exist with all the interpretations of the character. And I think Timothy brought something completely new. He brought so much charisma and likability and charm and just sweetness and silliness to the character. And he's a funny guy. He's had a few roles where he can flex his comedic chops here and there. I would say the most he's been able to do comedy. SNL. SNL, exactly. Yeah, yeah. SNL. Much, yeah. And he's always great on yeah. SNL. Aside from that, I guess, what's the um the political movie he was just he was in? Don't Look Up. Don't Look Up. Yeah, he was he's funny, funny in that. that. Yeah. But he's fucking he, love finger like potatoes. Finger like potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only funny part of the movie. It is. It is. <laughs> but Timothy's got so much range because I've never really, I've always wanted to see him do a whole movie based off comedy and a whimsical character because he's so good at it. And I, I seldom watch SNL, but I'll watch it with when Timmy's hosting or like when Adam Driver's hosting. I'll watch SNL. I think them two are great at comedy, which is sort of out of their norm for genres when they're making movies. Even, I mean, ironically, I mean, Adam Driver came from comedy with girls, but this might be a hot take. We did watch Willy Wonka in Chocolate Factory recently. We watched it a few months ago on Discord. Yeah. I think that Timothy Chalamet's performance, for me, I, I, I like it better than Gene Wilder's. And I know that's going to be crazy to say, but I've seen them both recently. I've seen them both this year, and I really enjoyed Chalamet's interpretation of the character. Is it because Timmy, Timmy's just so cool and he's the it guy right now? No, that's that's probably your reason. <laughs> <laughs> you're, the re you're the reason why every time it's because he's up so Instagram, hot, right? It's, it's, because, it's, because our, it's because he's so hot, it's right? Because of all he's all over our Discover page because of you. That's not true at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he. I think it's probably true. I think maybe I, I think I was craving, you know, something sweet because Barbie hit that sweet spot in the summer, but I mean Barbie did have quite a lot. I mean, and it did a good job of you know, critiquing culture. So there was a serious side to Barbie. You know what I mean? And there, and there was a really deep um, discussion about the world through Barbie. So, you know what I mean? So it wasn't completely light and airy for the whole time, especially after the first act of Barbie. It, was, it turned into a different movie. And so I think I've been craving a movie like this where, you know, it's just, it's light and airy. And it's just nothing but kindness it's not trying to say anything. It's not trying to 
critique anything. It's just trying to be a fun, joyous occasion for families to go see a movie. And I think this is the perfect holiday film for families. If I had a family, I would be going to Wonka. And I would, I would, if I recommend Wonka for anyone who has kids and you want to go to see, go to the movies this Christmas season, go to see Wonka because everybody will enjoy it. And I also feel like so many of these big studio pictures these days, especially if it's even something G-rated or a kid's movie or a family movie, they have a lot that they're trying to tell you mm -hmm. in terms of opinions. Yeah. This one, really, it's subtle and it's easy and we all get it. It's, we, they, everyone's equal, but we have the wealthy and then we have the poor. We have the hierarchy, It's something yeah. that everyone can understand. It's not shoved down your face every scene. It's brought up here and there. And overall, the storytelling does that, does give that message across. And I think that that's one of the strengths of the movie where it's not overly, this is what this movie's about. This is what this movie's about every goddamn scene. Yeah. And it's just more about telling a great story. But we used to get great studio movies like this when we were kids. Great fantasy films, science fiction films that had great heartfelt messages, incredible acting. The production design is sensational. So many huge practical sets. Of course, there's some CGI in here with the magical chocolate, but a surprising amount of this is practical. I was blown away. Not so just much. big set pieces, but even little pieces of chocolate, like the little lightning chocolate was incredible. It was so beautiful. And they had a chocolatier on set. And Paul King, the director, says he might be being a little... facetious, A little bit. He said he <laughs> gained 50 pounds on set while eating all the chocolate. I mean, I would. <laughs> eating chocolate for four months straight? I know. Maybe more. I gained 10 pounds this past holiday season already. Because he said they had... They, he, to quote him, we had this incredible chocolatier. She made these incredible concoctions, and we would taste them. They tasted much better than they needed to, because obviously actors are good at pretending things. But the miracle was they tasted every bit as good as they looked. And you're absolutely right. There was there's some CGI, but there's so much practical filmmaking in this. And some some of my favorite sets. So we mentioned that big outdoor city set, which is really extravagant and massive. And they did so much of the film there. It just looked stunning. Now, a couple of the musical numbers took place there. They're exactly. awesome. Wonka's shop, when they opened it, like most of that was just done for real. And it just looked marvelous. Even the cotton candy treetop clouds were real. Yeah. The only, that the only, tree was real. Yeah, that was all real. And and there's actually some Chalamet posted a behind the scenes sizzle reel that a friend of his must have filmed with that with a Super 8. And it's like he was really bouncing on these clouds, on these cotton candy clouds. You like, can tell he's just sitting practical. on a, a cotton candy cloud yeah. flying 20 feet in the air. And then one of my favorites, probably my favorite set, was the, the glowing rooftop when he and Noodle are floating with the balloons. And they land on top of that beautiful glass ceiling of that building. And it's like it's like, it's like like the same kind of glass ceiling. Remember? And Ethan it, Hunt lands on yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. In Fallout. Fallout. It's, it's so reminiscent <laughs> I was, I was like that. waiting for Ethan to yeah, fall same. into the parachute. Very reminiscent of that. <laughs> but they built that. You know, it wasn't just them standing on, you know, a big green screen platform. They'd see giant. It's, the actors are really on that. And that was, that was such a beautiful sequence. That entire sequence with the, the assortment of balloons. And they're floating. And they're gliding. And they're spinning around. The, the pointed tip of that building and the beautiful warm light from the interior of that building pouring up through the windows. I was just like, w during that sequence, I was like, where was this in the trailer? <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> where the fuck was this in the trailer? Plus the massive church that was used yeah. in the interiors and the locations in this movie the are sensational. phone ring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Rowan Atkinson, it was such a great little cameo and he's so funny and he plays the, the corrupt cleric. And I kind of wanted to set up the world because I think it's so fun 
where we have obviously Willy Wonka comes to this this unnamed European city. He wants to sell his chocolates, and he gets there. He gets kicked out of the Galleria, the Gourmet Gallery, for trying to sell his chocolates on the streets. And the other chocolatiers tell him it's the worst chocolate I've ever had. Oh, thank you for the endorsement. Wait, wait, it's the worst chocolate. It's very funny. And then Willie, he basically has to find a room to sleep, and he finds this little laundromat, and they he obviously depends on the kindness of strangers. Tom Davis is amazing in this movie. I think this is really his big coming out party. He's all, he's on Paddington too. Mm-hmm. He plays one of the prisoners. He's the big guy. He's actually a British comedian. Yeah, he's he had a, he's on a BBC comedy. That's where he got his big break. But this I think is his big coming out party. He's starring with Olivia Coleman in seven or eight scenes, which is terrific. And he gets duped because he's illiterate in this movie, Willie Wonka, which is really funny. He's like, I devoted all my studies specifically to chocolate. So he can't read, and he, gets, he doesn't read the final print on this contract. Gets trapped in this 10 years of indentured servitude in the basement of Scrubbits and Bleacher. And then eventually, we have these antagonists, like I said, these chocolatiers at the Gallery Gourmet. We have Mr. Slugworth, Mr. Prodnose, and Mr. Fickle Gruber, and they're all kind of working with Scrub It and Bleacher to keep Willy Wonka there because they know his chocolate's too damn good. And like Eddie said, Patterson Joseph is just He's tremendous great. in this movie. He's great. Slugworth is sort of the leader. And I love this world where chocolate is kind of a currency, and chocolate's so sought after and desired that they bribe the chief of police with chocolate <laughs> to carry out their dirty business. It's so goddamn funny. And also... This entire world in the city is built on a corruption of chocolate where there's a secret layer underneath the parish, the church, of 5,000 gallons of chocolate. The chocolatiers have been diluting their chocolate and been saving the good chocolate in their underground vault of chocolate that's underneath the parish. Rowan Atkinson is the corrupt cleric with his 50 chocoholic monks who guard it. (laughs) And their robes are chocolate covered. chocolate, Chocolate is more valuable than money in this movie. And it's a great setup because how do you get Willy Wonka into trouble immediately? Get him stuck in this laundromat with his, these other people. He develop, he creates this team. They sort of break out eventually, and they concoct this plan to take down the Chocolatiers. But it gives great conflict to our character who's trying to achieve these massive goals. But we have multiple antagonists with the Chocolatiers and then Chief of Police with Keegan-Michael Key. So we have great opposing forces trying to stop Willy Wonka's magic. And it's a really good plot, I think. And it's so fun and inventive and imaginative. And it's just so creative. Just Let's just make it an unnamed city. Chocolate is underneath the parish. It's a secret corrupt system. It's a great sort of satire on the world, this movie, in terms of corruption and of elitism and the wealthy. It's something that parents can really understand and take away from from the story just as much as kids can. Not just corruption, but uh, mon- monopolies yeah. in capitalistic in- in economies. And so monopolies like a handful of businesses just taking advantage and taking control of the of the market, of whatever uh, market it is. And so the three chocolatiers, they push out anyone who could be a rival. And that's how that's what sets up uh, Willie's conflict. And so that the, the idea of a monopoly in an industry is actually a permeating th- theme throughout the entire film. And I love how magic exists. Willie's chocolate is magical. It can make you float. It can give you wonderful ideas. It can make you drunk. It can make oh you my God, regretful. Yeah. <laughs> I love the sequences where he gets people. He has the special chocolate where it's like a night out where you're having fun. You're you're laughing. You're dancing. And then you have the, oh, here's where the whiskey kicks in. And 
you're just regretting you make a bad decision then up oh, this is the stout to end the night and then they fall asleep it's and so goddamn funny pork in the base pork in the back room yeah <laughs> and then passed out <laughs> and so he does it to the guards for both the zoo and for the underground I love when they call the person they love and they're the same person <laughs> <laughs> no I shouldn't call I'm gonna call her I'm gonna call her oh this is when he does something reckless so oh my God, I love that. But I love the idea of magic existing. There's that extent, obviously, in the other Willy Wonka movies, and even the Gene Wilder one, there's magic to the chocolate. It makes you float with the bubbles and everything. But I think there's something a little more magical about this one specifically. But then we also got a couple of great nods to the original. My favorite nod is that the Oompa Loompa, he does, Wonka does it in uh, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, Gene Wilder takes a sip from that cup and then he bites the cup and the Oompa Loompa did the exact same thing with the same kind of cup in this movie and I was like that's a nod to the original and also the recorder the flute yes, plays yes. the, the theme to the Oompa Loompas and the, the two songs that they really reference in are sort of throwbacks to the original Pure Imagination mm-hmm. so we have twice we get the the theme of that with the opening of the movie with Willie with Willie arriving on the ship in the opening credits, obviously. But then we have the great song that he sings with Noodle of Pure Imagination. I believe that starts when they're at the zoo with the giraffe. Mm-hmm. The pure Nate, come with me. And you'll see it's really special when you hear the theme. It's just so magical. And just that's what brings the nostalgia out of it is just immediately hearing the song. Then the Oompa Loompa song is great as well. And Hugh Grant <laughs> as the Oompa Loompa was terrific. Hugh Grant is honestly my spirit animal. I love his sarcasm, his uh, sardonic sense of humor. He's just so witty, but wise. And sometimes you can't tell if he's pissed off or he's just joking around. But I think that's why he's perfect as the Oompa Loompa. And his performance is entirely motion capture. And so he was just created with CGI. It looks really good. It did, they it did a good. really solid job. And he only actually worked with Timmy on set one day as an experiment. They created sort of a mocap tent that Hugh Grant went inside of off the side of the set while Timmy was being shot on camera. And he was inside the tent, Hugh Grant, and they mm-hmm. did a couple scenes like that. But this just didn't end up working for the shoot or in general. So they just did the whole thing motion capture, and Hugh Grant was really on, only on set for one day. I loved how it sat, like they made it seem like Willie was making up the, the Oompa Loompa and that maybe he was imagining it all. <laughs> and the little orange man. When he kept trying to explain the Oompa Loompa man to people because he, at this point, the Oompa Loompa was just stealing from him every, uh, every few nights. And it's just like, do you, you don't believe me, do you? It's like, that sounds crazy. An orange man with green hair. <laughs> he catches yeah, a little orange him. man. And he finally catches him. And then when they both see him, when they're about to drown, they see him through the glass. And it's the, she's like, little orange man. <laughs> That's great. It's so funny. It's really terrific stuff. It's so goddamn funny. Now, the design of the Oompa Loompa is obviously taken straight out of the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory film from 1971, the first adaptation of the novel. The original novel was not so specific on descriptions of the Oompa Loompas, except that they have knee-length height, have long hair, and speak their own language. So it's interesting to see the interpretations of the character. I think after that first movie, it's just like the public think when if you're going to make Oompa Loompas not be orange— it just wouldn't feel right. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why people didn't love Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I think they changed the Oompa Loompa design yeah. up too much because I don't think they were It's orange, like right? one guy. It was like an, one guy who they all looked like a clone of him. And he's wearing – I think he has like a mustache or something. Let me double check. Remind so, me. So Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Oompa Loompas, they look like – I think you're right. I think he's it got was. A, he's got like a red suit. It, but they're yeah, all yeah. like a clone of each other. Yeah, exactly. So he's got a red suit with like headphones. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, you're right. I didn't like that. 
Yeah, he was like essentially just a clone of himself. Yes. And that was just all the Oompa Loompas. I get they're trying to do something different rather than giving him like orange skin, give him an orangey red suit. Yeah. But I think the Oompa Loompas are so goddamn fun when they're they're orange with green hair because it's magic. Yeah. You know, it's, it's these kinds of they people come that from don't Oompa exist. Land. Yeah, they're, they're Oompa Land. <laughs> I love the uh, Oompa Land flashback. It's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Almost called a whopper. <laughs> now, I want to get into our superlatives in intermission before we talk more about Wonka. Let's do it. So, who is the MVP of Wonka, Anthony? Paul King is the MVP. He did a really remarkable job adapting this beloved story and this beloved character in a new, exciting, and creative way. I loved it. I think the MVP is Timothy Chalamet. This is a really important IPA and a really important role to this I movie. love IPAs. I'm, I, <laughs> IP. And it's a role that, if it's not done right, it's just going to bomb. But I think Timothy added something new, and he created a great character that I think is just going to be remember, remembered by this generation. I think people are going to love it. And I think they'll make two or three out of this after this movie. So I'm really excited by the performance, and I think that... He's really the key to it all working, and you know it wouldn't be it wouldn't be Wonka without him. I think. Let's move on wow, to touching. <laughs> so sweet. What's the best scene? My favorite scene is the opening of Wonka's shop, opening day, that da- that whole musical number. I love the production design. I love the all the candy, and it was so inventive and really really exciting and. I was just smiling the whole time. And do you even like when it all goes to crap because the candy gets poisoned by the before all that by the cartel? No, yeah, that was great. It was very sad. Yeah, but um, the whole musical number of before all that happened. I was, was so great. excited when it was going on. I'm like, this is amazing. I want to yeah. go to this chocolate shop, and you you feel so happy for Wonka because he's been working so hard, and we have the backstory of his mother who taught him how to make chocolate, and she's not with him. She passed away, and his life goal is to share chocolate with the world because. His mom promised him that when you share your chocolate with everybody, I'll be there next to you. I'll be by your side. And so that's his goal. And he thinks that this is the day my shop is opening. I'll be able to share my chocolate with the world and I'll be able to be with my mom again. So it's a really emotional scene because everything he's gone through to get the shop open with this team that he develops from the laundromat. And then it just gets ruined by the cartel. The chocolate cartel, man. It was it was, it was I was crying in this movie. It's the show-stopping scene, though. Yeah, I was not expecting it. But yeah, it's, it's a great really scene. well made. It's a great it. production. It's all goddamn practical. Like even walking up that little mountain hill to mm-hmm. the treats. It's all there's behind the scene photos. It's so cool. My favorite scene was the balloon sequence with Noodle. And so this is after they milk the giraffe, right? Yeah. And they're singing and dancing. Abigail the giraffe. Abigail, Abigail the giraffe. And then they're going through the park, and they find the balloons, and then they start flying with the balloons. And it's really beautiful, and it made me feel so good inside and happy. And I was smiling huge when I was watching this entire sequence. It's got goosebumps, and they're flying and floating in the air above that building and dancing and spinning and with the balloons. It's really special filmmaking, and it, it was, I think, one of the most touching sequences in the whole movie. It was really sweet, yeah. very sweet. And because the they're building their relationship where Wonka's like, I'm not going to let you rot inside that laundromat for the rest of your life. I'm going to do so- I'm going to get you out of there, basically. Yeah. And it's really them trusting each other. And again, I was like, where was this in the trailer? <laughs> so I think the trailer has quick shots of stuff like this, but not enough to understand. Yeah. Now, what is the best shot of Wonka, Anthony? This is a tough one because the cinematography is terrific. And it was done by a Park Chan-wook regular 
whose name is on my Google document. Oh, he right uh, shot last night in Soho as well. Yes, Chung Hoon yeah. Chung. He did film like last night in Soho, Uncharted, and It recently for big blockbuster movies. My favorite shot is actually in the balloon sequence, uh, the wide of them landing on top of the roof, and it's just, it's um, no, no, they're spinning up the pole, and so she's up to, she's above him. He's holding on to her feet before they start doing that imitation dance, like when they do the kick yeah. thing. But he's holding on to her feet, and she's holding the balloons, and they're that they're like on the tip of the building, and it's it's a really great wide. It looks perfect. It's great. I love that scene, man. I really do. My favorite shot was actually something. It wasn't really fantastical. It was so basically what their plan is to escape the laundromat is Noodle sneaks. <laughs> she sneaks Willie out in the sack of laundry. I know you're gonna pick. I know and you're so, gonna pick. We both cracked up there. <laughs> it's great. So, <laughs> so he he jumps in a bag and he goes down the raft, the chute, and then he goes inside the, the the thing that she's pushing, the barrel, basically the wheelbarrow. And when they make the clear, she opens up the bag. What would she say? Like, we're in the clear or or something. We made it out. He's like, really? And the, the <laughs> shot is just like a super big close up on Timothy Chalamet inside of a bag. It's just it's so and he's funny. so excited. Yeah it's, yeah, it's really silly. And I don't know why I laughed so hard. We both we both cracked up. It during was it. hysterical. Yeah, it's, it's a really it's funny my favorite shot. shot in the movie. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> it's just him in a sack. He's going, really? <laughs> and I also like the shot when they're milking the giraffe. He he pulled the camera back so that the the giraffe's nipples are in the foreground of the frame. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny because it's like an emotional moment for Noodle, yeah. but you can see Willie just still walking, <laughs> still just like milking this giraffe, yeah. and the milk is just coming down into the up. bucket, and Noodle's up top like having a moment. It's so funny. <laughs> okay. Who's the best actor in Wonka? Chalamet. Uh, he did everything. His range is really on dis- full display in this film, whether it be the dancing, singing, uh, the emotional, dramatic parts, and the endless charm and charisma he had with the comedic acting as well. For my best actor, I actually have a tie. Oh, really? Between Patterson Joseph and Olivia Coleman. Olivia Coleman is insanely good. She's terrific in this movie, and Patterson Joseph nails it. So I think they're two they're the two most powerful Great antagonists yeah. in the movie. Obviously the home life of Willie being trapped in indentured servitude, being controlled by Olivia Coleman's character, Mrs. Scrubbit. But then Patterson is Mrs. Mr. Slugworth is just amazing in this movie he steals every scene he's in i think they're both terrific yeah he's i loved his hair too it yeah was great. the whole the whole get up it was perfect they're both just so evil yeah. and various paul king just kept going close on her teeth yeah it was great. <laughs> she just looked like she had so much fun i mean she she didn't win an oscar for no reason you yeah. know she's incredible what is the best line in wonka <laughs> he was describing one of his chocolates and one of the descriptions of the ingredients was salted with the bittersweet tears of a Russian clown. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking died. I, I burst out with a cackle. I was like, what did he just say? <laughs> it was so funny. It was a really funny movie. Even just implications of things that were yeah. about to happen were just really funny. All right. My favorite line of the movie was Willie's mother, played by <sighs> Sally Hawkins. Terrific. Obviously, a Paul King regular. She says to Willie... Every good thing in this world started with a dream. So you hold on to yours. So sweet. Hit me hard, man. It really did. Touching, touching stuff. That wraps our superlatives. How about we head into our intermission? But before we continue, I just want to tell you the best way to support the show, Raiders of Lost Podcast. You can do it by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast, which is a subscription-based form of support. Now, why would you want to sign up for Patreon? Because... 
Yeah, tell me. You get some kick-ass bonuses, man. You get bonus episodes every week. The weekly chat is exclusively on Patreon only. Plus, we can do a bonus episode every week of the show, of a movie or something. We pick a topic and we'll do it. We have five different tiers of membership. As cheap as $2 a month, you get access to those bonus episodes. But also at $5 minimum tier, you get access to the ad-free version of the show. At $10, you get access to our Discord. It's a private community, but it's thriving and flourishing with great film discussions and watch parties and just a good time. Lots of memes. The $25 tier. Oh, uh, is that a phone uh, alert? Uh, I'm not the one texting during the episode. I'm not texting. I'm pulling up the unsubscribes. You you're texted me. You, you just texted me. I did text you something. So I'm not texting <laughs> during the episode, Anthony. <laughs> I did text him. <laughs> I forgot I texted you 30 seconds after I texted you. Anyways. <laughs> it was tw- important text. $25. We get, you get a custom episode. <laughs> you pick a topic. We'll do it for you. $100 is the granddaddy package. You get... All kinds of things. You become an executive producer on the main episodes. You get your hair, your name right at the end. You get a private watch party. All kinds of stuff. Free merch. Patreon's the reason we can do the show full time. So thank you so much to everyone who is a patron. There'll be a link in the description of this episode. It's clickable. It's so easy to access. Next way to support the show. We got three things to do here, man. Leaving those five-star reviews and ratings 12 hours later. On Spotify and <laughs> Apple. Someone's going to do it. I don't do this when you do your ads, do you? Do I? Never. Don't you want people to leave those five-star reviews, Anthony? <laughs> of course I do. It's essential to the gro- to the show to help us get seen by new listeners to chart on those platforms. On Apple, you can leave written reviews, which we love to read out on the show. Spotify, you can just leave a five-star review too. Super helpful. But the most important way to help a show grow, a podcast, is to just share us organically with your friends, family, social media. Word of mouth is the best way for a podcast to grow. So just share us with everybody you know. Just like how Willie just wants to share his chocolate with the world. That's right, man. You're Willy Wonka. I am Willy Wonka. The Willy Wonka of podcasting. <laughs> Less eccentric. Jimmy Wonka. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good name. Of course, our episode is sponsored by our friends at MoviePosters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today. Be sure to subs- be sure to use our coupon code Raiders10 at MoviePosters.com to get 10% off your order right now. They also do our bi-monthly movie poster giveaway. And Shaquille just won a free poster last week. Congratulations, Shaquille. Uh, they chose a great poster for their free. And they're also, Shaquille's a new listener, and they made a comment on our YouTube episode of the Tom Cruise movie draft, and it was their first ever, like, listen to our show, and they won the poster giveaway. No way! So I think we got a, a, a lifetime listener now. Hopefully. That's how we hook you in. Yeah, you win we, a poster. You win a free poster. You're stuck with us for life. But MoviePosters.com is the best place to get your posters and the holiday season is happening. It's right now. It's the holiday season. If you haven't got a gift for the movie lover in your life, be sure to go to MoviePosters.com and get them a bunch of movie posters. If I was a movie fan, I am a movie fan. If you were. If I, I'm a movie fan. <laughs> you watch I, seven movies a day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going, I'm going to my second movie today in theaters after this. Are you, what are you seeing? I'm seeing the Zone of Interest tonight. Okay, And cool. I saw Anatomy of a Fall right before this. <laughs> I'm if I was someone who liked movies. I'm literally doing 40 miles of driving to see movies today. But as a movie fan, I would just really like it if someone got me a movie poster. Like, that would be a really nice gift for christmas james <coughs> we have a sponsorship just ask movie posters i can't just ask movie posters because they're awesome <laughs> they have all sorts of sizes framing backlighting for your poster needs as well as a huge selection of pretty much every movie and tv show imaginable in their poster library again head on over to movieposters.com especially for the holidays 
and use our promo code Raiders10 to get 10% off your order right now. Let's get into our intermission. You like how I didn't interrupt you? Because that's an ad we get paid for. But you put it in a couple of times. I was, what are you talking I was about? Wel- I was welcomed. You in. went in like three times I, while I was talking. See, I didn't text you. <laughs> I didn't text you while you were doing your ad. So I sent you a text because I meant to send it to you today, but I totally forgot. And so I was like, before I forget, I might as well. Thanks, man. Because I did a screenshot of it while I was gathering the unsubscribers. We'll talk about it I after. Saw it. In yeah, the impl- we'll, we'll- in the implications of what you sent me <laughs> and what you've done here today. <laughs> Let's get into our movie called competition. <laughs> All right. Ready? I'm, re- I'm ready. Ah, music. A magic beyond all we do here. That's Dumbledore. He's talking about music. What, what fucking... <laughs> He's talking about music. I'm sorry. What... It's which movie is it? Say it again. Ah, music. A magic beyond all we do here. I'm going to go with Chamber. Yeah. Chamber of Secrets. You got it. Oh, yeah, baby. In your face. <laughs> what? Relax. That was quite the response. <laughs> You're acting like I said you can't get this right. Well, I got it right. <laughs> I proved you wrong. <laughs> You're ridiculous. All right. Here's two people talking in this one. My ancestors sent me a little lizard to help me. Hey, dragon, dragon, not lizard. I don't do that ton thing. Hmm. Say it one more time. All right, two, t- two characters. My ancestors sent me a little lizard to help me. Hey, dragon, dragon, not lizard. I don't do that tongue thing. Is that how to train your dragon? Incorrect. <sighs> huh. Sounds really familiar. You're going to be like, oh, how did I not get that? Hmm. Probably. My ancestors (laughs) sent me a lizard. My ancestors sent me a lizard. What movie has like a little dragon as a character? I'm just, I mean, there's no Spyro movie. That would be cool though. A little dragon. A little, I mean, Sorcerer's Stone. A little dragon that can talk as an assistant. Do you want another hint? Sure. Animated? Yeah. I don't know. It's Mushu in Mulan. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like an Now idiot. you feel dumb. <laughs> I basically spelled it out for yeah, you, man. you basically did. <laughs> All right. Guess this movie release year. Eight Mile. Dun, 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 dun. Clarence's parents had a real nice marriage. 2002. 2002 is correct. Oh, yeah, baby. He's two for two today, everybody. (laughs) Take it down a notch, bro. I'm on fire. (laughs) I feel like I can spit fire. Have you seen Luna? (laughs) I'm crazy about her. (laughs) It's about time she know since we'll both be dead by morning. (laughs) All right. What year did the Nutty Professor come out? Oh, that's a good one. We fucking love this movie as kids. I want, what's the turn of the century? What's post 2000 or not? Hmm. That is the question. Breaking apart some plastic over there? Yeah. You know how I do. <laughs> I, I should get like a, one of those. You hand need to squeeze, get something for your hands. Like, what are those called? The, the hand squeezing things that you put on desks when people are stressed out? I don't know what they're called. I just but I know what you're talking about. I have restless fingers. I just need to do no, something. No, you, you should start knitting while we record. That's too distracting. 
People can knit without even looking. I have to stay focused. No, but once you get good at knitting, you don't have to look. So, so you want me to take up knitting? I'm just coming up with some ideas for your fucking endless moving hands. Of all the... Uh, <laughs> imagine if I was just knitting. That'd be funny. No, but it's noisy. And then you it's get like, something out of it. No, but it's like... Knitting's clank- not noisy. It's the two metal things. It's clanking. They don't have to be metal. You can make them wood. You can do wood needles. There'd still be some clanking going There'll on. There'll be no clanking with wood. Just there was. Wood on wood does not clank. Sure it does. If you're bashing it, not just like... No, there'd be like a little tapping. There'll be little taps. There would be no be tapping. Like, it'd sound like this. There would be no tapping at all. I'd These be, microphones would not pick that up. Yeah, they'd be talking. These microphones would not It'd pick it up. It'd just be like this. All right, answer the question. Night what, professor. Uh, 1998. 97. Close, but no cigar. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Pop quiz time. Who directed Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? <laughs> Fuck. From 1971. <laughs> Looks like I'm not going to be three for three. <laughs> Are they well known? For that era, yeah. Did they only make comedies mostly? Yeah, they did some comedies, did some animated movies. They did some animated movies. Yeah. It doesn't help. I, was, I, don't know <laughs> I responded like, oh, that's helpful, but it's what, not What helpful. was their favorite food, asparagus? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. Mel Stewart. Thanks for that impossible question. <laughs> Listen, who the a, fuck knows who Mel Stewart it's is? It's an insanely relevant question. We're doing an episode on Willy Wonka. I didn't say it was irrelevant. I said it was impossible. Well, I figured maybe you would have looked it up. I didn't. Tough titty. (laughs) (laughs) Not my problem. (laughs) I missed the part where that's my problem. (laughs) Ready? (laughs) I did the hair whip. What the hell's the matter with you? Let him get away! (laughs) Okay. Spider-Man. Eddie Murphy received an Oscar nomination for what film? As an actor. Oh, what was the one he did like four years ago? That was that was it, I think. Crap, what was it called? The cook one where he's a cook? No, not the cook one. He plays the real guy. Dolomite? Yeah, Dolomite is my name. Incorrect. Never he mind. got a Golden Globe nomination for that. Okay. Is it a movie from before 2000? No. Is it a movie from after 2000? It is. <laughs> Believe it or not. <laughs> Defies expectations. <laughs> Nobody saw that coming. Oscar nom for Eddie Murphy. Huh. Heh. <clears throat> I don't know. Dream Girls. Ah, all right. He played their manager. Yeah. Forgot about that one. All right, I got some dad trivia. Let's hear it. So as some of you know, our dad sent us some entertainment trivia cards, and we've been running through them during the intermission. It's not a promo or anything. It's just he sent us a, it was a Christmas gift. So, let's see if Anthony can get <coughs> this answer. Here we go. Okay. She played revered fixer Olivia Pope on Scandal. Um, What's her fucking name? God damn it. I know her name. Just not right now. <laughs> Kerry Washington. Kerry Washington. Thank you. Kerry Washington. Selena Gomez starred Selena at... Gomez. <laughs> Gomez. <laughs> Selena Gomez. Can I say it? <laughs> can I say it? No, I don't think you can. Selena Gomez starred as Alexa Russo in what magical Disney show? Fuck, I don't know. Who did Selena, Selena Gomez played... I have no idea. What was her Disney show? I honestly have no idea. Wizards of Waverly Place. Okay. Even I knew that, man. <laughs> I didn't... I've never seen that show. 
Neither have I, but I know it exists. I know. Uh, She's I've the heard fucking of, biggest star alive. I've heard of it, but I just never... Everybody knows Selena Gilmez. <laughs> <laughs> You're ridiculous. Okay. In this holiday classic film, Uncle Billy misplaced $8,000 on his way to the bank. Come on, repeat it. In this holiday classic film, Uncle Billy misplaced $8,000 on his way to the bank. It's a wonderful life. Yes, sir. Easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. Okay. <clears throat> um, a monkey named Boots is this cartoon character's constant companion. Dora. Yes. Dora the Explorer. That's a good one. All right. What else do we have here? I have a good one right here if you can't find one. Yeah, go for it. This big city played a big part in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Say that again? <clears throat> this big city played a big part in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. What was the city they went to? Is it, is it Chicago? It is Chicago. Nice. nice job. Thanks. Okay. One more, one more, one more. Okay. Fonzie literally jumped a shark on a late season episode on this sitcom. Oh, what was it called? Oh, we used to watch it. Fuck, what was it called? Hey. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's it called? Oh my god! Off the top of my head, I can't think of it. Hold on, give me a second. It's unfortunate, man. One, two, three, four. Happy days. I was gonna say it without the help. No, no, it yeah. almost lined up perfectly. Yeah. Happy days. <laughs> Happy days. Correct. Happy days. Uh-huh. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 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 but Zach Billings wrote in our Tom Cruise movie draft episode, leaving Jack Reacher to pick 12 unsubscribed. And I wrote, it's a sleeper. I mean, Tom's had a crazy filmography. I, I'm surprised I got it that late. I am because I really like Jack Reacher. Well, I do too, but I know a lot of people actually don't like Jack Reacher very much, the movies. We all know you've read the books, Jim. No comment. <laughs> Not all of them, only three. Jack Reacher is a really solid action movie. It's awesome. It's cool. I love it. It's a good one. All right. What's your streaming recommendation? Because it's the holiday season, I could recommend Gremlins on Max. Great holiday movie. I just watched it for like the 10th time. I love it. So good. So much. All right. My streaming recommendation is... Little Shop of Horrors nice. on Max. That's because a good one. it's also musical. And... I think you'd enjoy it if you'd never seen it before. That movie's crazy. Now let's get back into Wonka. And I think when it comes to the characters, I think it's one of the greatest strengths of the movie. And we've been talking about Willie, obviously. We've been talking about Noodle. I would like to talk about Keegan-Michael Key's Chief of Police. Hysterical, great performance. And like I said, he does this sort of city accent from like Queens or the Bronx. And it works really well in this unnamed European city. It just fits and Keegan's character, the chief of police, he's working for the chocolatiers and he's 
He's, you know, roughing people up. He's like the muscle, basically, for the chocolatiers. And when they discover Willie and his chocolate, they're paying him to kick Willie out of town, basically, to make sure he doesn't sell chocolate on the streets anymore and to also eventually make sure he has an accident. And by accident, I mean dead at some point. <laughs> and they pay him with chocolate. Now, chief of police gets paid handsomely in his chocolate. <laughs> and eventually, by the end of the film, he's a very big guy. And... It's got some great moments of humor of him getting bigger and bigger because his second big payment is eighteen hundred pieces of chocolate, and then by the end of the movie he can't like even get out of the car. It's so funny. I was like, I haven't seen that in a movie in a long time. Yeah, and he's hysterical. We're huge Key and Peele fans, huge Key and Peele fans, and so anytime Keegan's in a movie, I'm like, I'm definitely gonna see it. He's always a highlight. Whatever scene he's in. He also did a really good job with the singing. He's involved in two songs, and he he did a pretty good job. I was surprised. I yeah. didn't know he could sing, but um, I love him, and he's a great addition to the cast. And you know, he's he's this officer who's he's, he's like a villain, but also he doesn't really want to be doing what he's doing. But he does love chocolate so much, <laughs> <laughs> and I love his final payment after thinking he killed Willy Wonka. Is they drop a huge package of chocolate on top of his car. It's like five times the size of his car. It's so funny. And then at the end, when he's the last time he gets out of the car before he gets arrested, he can't even get out because he can't fit through the door. But also, there's rappers everywhere. It's a mountain of rappers. And you know, I think a lot of studios they're afraid to do humor like this. And obviously, some people get offended by it. I think it's a risk worth taking. It's funny when it's done well, and it's not poking fun at like larger people. It's it's basically a critique and a metaphor for corruption. He's just eating chocolate, and what are the consequences of eating 800 pieces of chocolate? You get big. You put on a little extra calories, a little extra, a little extra fluff. Nothing wrong with that. It's just it's just a funny part of the character. If you eat 2,000 chocolates in a week, you're gonna get pretty big. And it's, it's it's like physically showing his corruption. Exactly. With the payments, like he's he's showing how corrupt he is. And I, I agree. Uh, I think that a lot of studios are probably, they're afraid to do that kind of humor. And I don't think that if you're going to try and do comedy, you shouldn't be afraid. And something like that is, it hasn't been done in a long time because people are afraid of the reactions to it. And yeah. for any kind of backlash online. And this film is getting some of that. And it's going to happen. It's inevitable. I think, But I think that studios and producers and filmmakers are slowly beginning to learn that, you know, the people that are vocally upset online is a very small number of actual people in the world. We've learned that from our own show, from yeah. the hate that we get. It's the vocal minority. We all know that phrase, and it's very true. And our show is an example of you'll post a clip, and it'll get like a million views and 100,000 likes, but then there's like two bad comments. And in a lot of ways, that can be the ones – those are the two comments that stand out the most to you because they're negative. And that's what happens nowadays is a couple of bad tweets and – uh, a few Twitter, uh, TikTok videos, and it makes it seem like the issue is widespread, when in reality, it's really a small number of people. So I think that studios are starting to get the hint that, you know what, we shouldn't cater to Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> we shouldn't make our movies based upon bad reactions of a very small, minute number of people. Let's just stick with what people like. And I thought it was pretty commendable to just try that kind of humor again. And I was, when it was happening, I was like, oh man, they're actually going for it here. Yeah. It was done well. It was done with a a, a crappy person. Yeah. You know, he's a villain. So I, I think it was a I think it was done effectively, and I think most people would really enjoy it. And I, yeah, commend the studios for taking risks with comedy because you have to. That's comedy. It's just a lot of people it. laugh. Yeah, and it's just 
that's just physics. That's biology. When you have that much sugar and calories, you're just gonna get a little. It's really funny. Yeah, a little bigger, <laughs> but it's just the slow reveal. It gets bigger, then bigger, then bigger. <laughs> the first reveal of it was great. It was so funny. And of course, Willy Wonka, eventually, we know, finds fortune and becomes the most successful chocolatier in the world with Wonka. However, he can't get there without some help. And as when he's trapped in the laundromat at Scrub It and Bleachers, indentured servitude. Scrub, 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 scrub. He's down in the basement, and he meets all these other people that have been duped by Scrub It and Bleacher to live down there and work off their debt. Willie has to work off <coughs> 10,000 days. Hey, you're Sorry. all right over there. <laughs> I got water in my windpipe. <laughs> he has to work off 10,000 days because he owns he owes 10,000 sovereigns to them because he didn't read the fine print and they charge him for everything walking up the steps it's a step per step you, you warmed your feet by the fire there's a fee for that everything and so down in the basement obviously he meets Noodle who's an orphan Noodle has been orphaned by we find out later on eventually by Mr. Slugworth one of the chocolatiers and they are blood related she is his niece I love so what made Slugworth great was he had zero empathy points whatsoever he was he ended up being more despicable by the end of the film than ever and i love that that's what made him so great he was a vicious villain down in the basement he also meets several other characters including lottie bell we also have abacus crunch. abacus crunch abacus. who's like the accountant down there <laughs> and then bell telephone and bell piper benz and also who am i missing that that's every, it that's everybody yeah that's four in the Four of them, five of them, six of them, they develop. Seven of them. Eight of them. <laughs> sort of develop, <laughs> develop a little team. And Willy Wonka has these master plans to escape. He creates the engineering conco- concoction to keep Tiddles, Tiddles the, the dog, dog at, on a treadmill. Tiddles wants to run. <laughs> so he can run all day. And, and then he comes back and Abacus is like, productivity is up 30%. We even took the afternoon off. And so basically, they're creating diversions so that Wonka can go out and sell chocolate and eventually his plan is to sell chocolate to pay off him and Noodle's debt. Eventually they all work together where they try to pay off everyone's debt with the chocolate factory, that they, the chocolate shop that they eventually open up. And obviously we talked about earlier that ends in massive failure because the cartel poisoned all the chocolate. Everyone started growing hair. There's too much of the Yeti sweat sweat inside of it. So they all start <laughs> growing hair and colorful hair in different places, which is hysterical. And I love the, so the team, each one of them... Their previous profession worked perfectly for a small business. Yeah. <laughs> you have an accountant, you have a marketer for the telephones, um, and the other two as well. Like they both, they all fit perfectly with different roles of a business. And then eventually, Willie gets an offer from the cartel. And the offer is they will pay off everybody's debt if Wonka leaves town, hops on this boat to the North Pole. Fucking <laughs> 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 love that. <laughs> And he can never make chocolate again. This is after the failure of the shop and yeah, everything burns, burns down. down yeah. And Willie's got nothing left. He lost all of his hope. And he also thought his mother would be by his side when he was sharing the chocolate with the world. But she wasn't there. And he's lost hope in that dream. So he accepts the deal. And he gets everyone's debt paid off. Except he doesn't realize that Noodles, Noodle was duped again by Slugworth. Slugworth paid extra to... Sh- to Scrub it and bleach her to keep her there indefinitely forever. <laughs> the sequence of learning of what Slugworth does with Noodle. Noodle, obviously, her father passed away and her mother came to Slugworth, her brother-in-law, for help. 
because Noodle was a baby, an infant, and was sick. And, and Slugworth thought he was the sole heir to his brother's fortune. At exactly. The time. Yeah. And he wasn't because Noodle was around. And so she brings Noodle to him, and that's not her name, obviously. And he's like, oh, I'll get, some, I'll get her medicine. I'll take care of her. And then he dumps her down a laundry chute. <laughs> it's, it's terrible, but it's hilarious. It's funny, yeah. He's like, bye-bye, baby. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. <laughs> it's funny because it's so absurd. And so that's why Noodle has a 30-year indentured servitude contract at Scrub It and Bleacher that she'll never be freed of. And then, obviously, like I said, Slugworth pays triple to have her there even longer. But what, what Wonka comes back after— I love how they try to blow him up. Yeah, they like, do. <laughs> Open Lumpa follows him everywhere he yeah. goes. And then they try to blow up the ship with just dynamite, <laughs> and they survive, and Wonka comes back, and they get their great pl- master plan to take down the cartel by sneaking into their underground safe and vault full of chocolate and getting it out of their base, but also getting the, the ledger that shows all the corruption in their numbers. And Paul King, once again, nearly drowned his lead character at the end of the movie, just <laughs> like in Paddington. I was like, oh my god. I can't take this. It's too much. <laughs> it's really great. And then the being saved by the Oompa Loompa through the mirror is just sensational. And Oompa Loompa has sort of this jetpack and this suit with wings. And he it's flies absurd. through and he takes everyone out. But I honestly just really love the sequences of going down to the secret chamber through the cleric's confession booth. Yes, father. Father, yes. <laughs> it's hysterical. And drowning in chocolate almost happens, which is amazing. I would love to be surrounded by that much chocolate, to be honest. Yeah, it was all for real, too. And they were, like, really in that chocolate pool. I love chocolate so much. I was <laughs> craving it intensely after seeing Wonka, and I got some, obviously, when I got home. I ate all my IMAX chocolate the day before we went and saw Wonka, so when we got home, I had no chocolate to eat. I saved a bar, and I'm glad I did because I ate it when I got home from the movie. It looked great. <laughs> it looked so good. And the most touching moment in the entire film, I think, is obviously when Wonka... And the team, they actually worked to secretly discover Dorothy, who she is, where she is, who is Noodle's mom. And Wonka reunites Noodle with her mother, Dorothy, at the library. And it's really emotional. And they got the tears going for me. And I was weeping when, because when Wonka saved the day and he, he got back in his Wonka outfit. And he's sitting on the steps and he pulled out, he, he kept, we kept seeing him pull out the chocolate that his mom made him on the boat when he was a kid. And she inscribed it with the Wonka logo, basically. He's been saving it for the right moment. And he finally took a piece and gave it to each one of his new friends. And they all ate it together. But he he saw his mom in the crowd smile at him. And I was like, I was crying like a baby. Well, even more than that. So Wonka's goal, obviously, is to spread chocolate with the world so that he can be with his mother again. But also he wanted to learn the secret. We have the flashback when they grew up on that river on the boat, and she said, I'll tell you the secret when you're older. But obviously she passed away uh, eventually before he got to find out the secret. And I like the backstory on Wonka. It's sort of ambiguous. We can kind of create our own. We can discover – we learn that he's discovered the world, obviously, with all these ingredients he has. But he's never learned the secret to the chocolate that his mother used to make. And then he opens up the candy bar that his mother hand drew Wonka on. And what's in there? The golden ticket. Yeah. And on the golden ticket, it says the secret to the chocolate is not the ingredients, not what you put inside of it, but it's who you share it with. And then he breaks up the chocolate bar into six pieces and shares it to everyone in the crew, basically. And then he sees his mother in the distance in the crowd. It's really emotional. It's making my hair stand up right now. It was just as sweet. As I was expecting from a Paul King movie. It was very touching. Yeah. I've, I think they really hit the emotional core really well. With the I wasn't character. expecting it. Me too. Yeah. Just connecting it to a mother in the past and a mother that's gone but 
really love is the key of the story. Love is the key to the chocolate, and that's what it really is all about. And I just love the nod. I didn't see the golden ticket coming at all. Mm, yeah. it came out left field for me. And then when you watch the movie, it's kind of obvious. They obviously the origin of the golden ticket. It has to be in and this it's movie. It's the purple wrapping too. Exactly. Yeah. So I love that. It made me completely forget or analyze the fact that where's the golden ticket in this movie, mm -hmm. and then it's originated with his mother. It's so sweet. I, I I really love the backstory of his mom. I thought it was it, it it made sense for his obsession with chocolate and wanting to spread it amongst the world in a positive way. And then it's like to to be it connected to his mother and his childhood makes a lot of sense. And then the ending in this torn down castle. <laughs> And then we, he's with the Oompa Loompa, and he says, I need some help to make chocolate and have a factory. And the Oompa Loompa's like, oh, and you'll be heading the tasting department. The, the tasting department? Oh, I'm actually pretty <laughs> enticed. And they walk through this ruin, the ruins of this castle. But then Willie's imagination and the great directing create the factory that will eventually be Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. And it's sensational. It looked like so much of it was practical. Oh, I was yeah. blown away because – Jimmy's literally just dancing and walking along like this chocolate rainbow, these pipes everywhere. It was really sensational. I loved the ending. It was so warm and such a happy ending as well. I loved the ending. It was a, it was a perfect conclusion to the film. Do you have any favorite moments that we haven't brought up from the film? Favorite moments? I loved the I loved when the bishop was giving the mass <laughs> and he got a phone call from downstairs. <laughs> it was a funeral. Yeah, funeral. Sorry, a funeral. <laughs> Uh, and he got the phone call, and he took the phone call. <laughs> it was like a duchess's husband died. Yeah, the baron's husband. <laughs> yeah, the baron's the husband. baron died. I was like, oh, the phone ring. He's like, he's chatting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, everything's fine. Yeah, we had a giraffe in here, but it's all good. I was dying. I was like, this is so funny. I really loved the zoo sequence with the giraffe with Abigail. The lion. Yeah, and the lion too. Yeah. The tiger. I mean the tiger, yeah. Tiger, tiger, but also with Abigail. I thought that was really sweet and funny. Yeah. And the CGI looked terrific for Abigail the giraffe. But yeah. that was a funny sequence, milking the giraffe. But I loved when he. He said, when Noodle says, oh, all we need is milk. We have milk right here. He's like, that's stealing. And also, Willy Wonka doesn't just use any ordinary cow's milk. I use giraffe's milk. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> it just makes sense for this movie. It was really funny. Yeah. I also really loved Willy's briefcase. Inside yeah. of his briefcase, not only does he have ingredients from all around the world, but magical ingredients like bottled up thunderstorms and lightning. But he has a chocolate factory in his briefcase. And... I think it was a really touching moment when he shared chocolate for the first time with Noodle, who had never had chocolate before. And her immediate reaction was, I'm depressed now because I'll know I'll never get to have chocolate ever again. And I'll just always want chocolate more. Mm -hmm. But I love the briefcase. I love the engineering, the ingenuity, and the magic of Willy Wonka and how he wanted to be a magician when he was a kid, but he turned it into creating chocolate like his mother. Mm -hmm. And I really like the musical numbers. They did a good job. And I, I love, like, you know, Willie's like in the barbershop doing the guy's hair, like things like that. That surrealist nature, the oh yeah, because well, they're sneaking realism. around yeah. the city yeah. and using the the drain pipes and the yes. sewers to try to bounce around and every they're like area Ninja Turtles, and, yeah, <laughs> basically it's Ninja Turtle style. But the musical numbers were really good; they were very fun and entertaining. And the production design was great. the The scrub scrub was a great first one. Scrub, well, second one. The second first one. one was in the opening in the city. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, I think they did a great job in. Especially, I mean, the musical number of Wonka Shop opening was really, I think, the the highlight of the film. Yeah. And then, obviously, homage to the the original with the floating candy. Mm -hmm. It's Bubbles in the first one with the, is it Root Beer? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah Suds. I think it's suds yeah. Root Beer. <laughs> suds from Root Beer. Bubbles from Root Beer. But then, obviously, in this is the floating, the hovered chocolate, the gravity chocolate. 
the ch- hover ch- hover chalk. Yeah, the hover chalk, which is used multiple times. And then and at the end, he's like, "It's got a delayed effect and it's extra strong. <laughs> It'll come down eventually." I think so. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I like the I love the opening mu- musical number where it's so- it's in the city and it's Wonka arrives there right before he starts selling his chocolate and he's dancing and the production's amazing because half the time it's pink and colorful and there's dancers everywhere and yeah. Wonka but then it cuts to him just dancing by himself in the square <laughs> and he's just in his own mind and the police officer's like what's this guy doing over there and yeah. it cuts to the number with the, the extras and dancers and it comes back to really just in his imagination so you get to like see and look inside Willie's imagination of what he sees in his world and I love the 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 musical number when they started selling chocolate again and it starts with him as a waiter at the French restaurant. <laughs> so one, another waiter is like, he doesn't even work here. <laughs> He's dancing on the table. <laughs> it was really funny. It was really sweet. I, I, I think the musical numbers were great. The music was terrific. Yeah. And I, I really adored this movie. It was sensational. This is one that I'm really looking forward to seeing again uh, yeah, on same. a rewatch. Yeah. Maybe probably not in theaters, but eventually when it gets out on streaming, I'm definitely going to rent it soon. But I've, I think yeah, I think it's a great holiday movie. It's It's perfect for December. It really Would is. you call it a holiday movie? I mean, I wouldn't. It's not a holiday movie, but it's per, it's a perfect movie to see during the holidays. That's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, family family picture. Yeah. Because I mean, we were, dri- we were driving by a billboard of like Paw Patrol superheroes, and I'm like, that's. I mean, do kids really want that? Walk anymore? is a much better kids movie, I think. Absolutely, it's so much better. It's delightful. It's like actually, it's, it's about life and it's stuff. Real. It's not about like animals with superpowers. Yeah. I think it's just like we need more. I, we need more family movies like this. And less family movies like that. You know what I mean? Like how Guillermo del Toro was talking about how animations become just nonstop flashback, like uh, flat, slapstick humor and ex- like too much and it's too overblown and it's not really telling the stories. There are no stories being told really. They'll have like a, you know, like a sweet message probably, but like what's the story? It's just trying to make you laugh nonstop or just keep the kids entertained by being as crazy as possible. But for something like this, I think is like I think kids will definitely respond to this film. Because, There's a lot of lessons in yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like his mother says, "Don't abandon your dreams. If you have a dream, go out and follow it." We have lessons of everybody is good at something, has a special talent. If you just work hard, you can work together. Family, love, obviously, the lesson of the rich just get richer and greedy, and it's the rich versus the poor. That's always been in storytelling for the entirety of civilization. So, But soon yeah. Willie will be the rich. <laughs> <laughs> and it depends on what he does with that money, but I'm sure we'll have a new version of Willy Wonka where he'll be a lot more generous with his wealth. But Well, he is at the end of the first one. Yeah, well, at yeah. The end of the original. Well, I mean, yeah, he gives it yeah. to the kid, yeah. I guess you could say. Ready Player One ripped it off, I guess. Gives it, gives it, <laughs> yeah, Ready Player One is uh, definitely... Uh, heavily influenced by Willy Wonka. I always thought about Willy Wonka yeah. when I was reading that book and then seeing the movie. I'm like, oh, it's kind of like Willy Wonka. Yeah. yeah, sort of. But, you know, in terms of a prequel, remake, reinvention of the character, this is one of the better ones done in the last couple decades. It really is. And especially Gene Wilder's performance is so iconic. Johnny's is really good, whether you like that movie or I've not. I've never been a fan of that movie at all. But, you know, it's still memorable. It's still a Tim Burton movie. And Timmy, I think, really delivered. And I was... I've always been impressed with Timmy and the challenging roles he does. We all know you have been. <laughs> Talking seriously here, man. But taking on challenging projects, you know. It's intimidating to take on a role like this, I bet. And obviously, as a background musical theater, of course, and singing and dancing and rapping, little Timmy Tim, little Timmy Tim Tim. <laughs> but, you know, like I said, this is a, a daunting role. And I think he really showed that he does have that potential to be 
the next big movie star, like the next Leonardo DiCaprio or something like that, because I think the appeal is there and I think he has the talent and this was just an awesome performance. Yeah, I think this is a really big step for him in his career because he's got Dune going for him, but I think doing this is just, it's really, really big for him. His range is huge. Yeah. You can do comedy, you can do a musical, but then he can also be in a very serious, massive sci-fi blockbuster, uh, a co- musical blockbuster. He can be in independent films, so he's, He's just stretching his talents and I think showcasing everything he can do. Stretching them like a nice taffy. <laughs> I love taffy. All right. You got anything else on Wonka? I was so pleasantly surprised by this movie and I couldn't recommend it enough. I gave it a four and a half out of five on Letterboxd. And I stand by that. All right. Come with me. Leave those five star ratings on Spotify and Apple. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't look at me when you sing. It's weird. YouTube. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Also become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Take care, everybody. See you next time. This episode was executive produced by our chosen one patrons, Cody Moen, Andrew Hagen, Becca Keen, Benjamin Cook, Calvin Murphy Griggs, Nicholas Martin, Darian Singleton, Tyler McFly, Andrew Hagen, our Chosen One patrons, are our biggest supporters. Thank you so much. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.